0: You're listening to Alternative Thinking, Both Sides of the Coin, a production of the Canadian Association of Alternative Strategies and Assets, where we explore today's markets and alternative investments from two distinct perspectives. In this session, we have two portfolio managers with high-conviction portfolios that come at the market from different tangents. Whether one is looking to longer-term trends or short-term trading, knowing the markets you're in can make the difference between being a star performer and being at the back of the pack. James Barron is the president and co-founder of CASA. All opinions expressed during the show by James and our show guests remain their own and should be used for informational and educational purposes only. Find out more about CASA at casa.ca. Welcome to Alternative Thinking. This is James Barron with CASA and today is Tuesday, December 15th. Uh, today we're speaking with Ed Solbach with MM Fund and Philip Smith with Investment Partners Fund. Uh, let's start with self-intros. Uh, we'll start with you, Ed.
1: Yeah. So uh, I'm with the MM Fund. It's uh, it's one of the Spartan funds. Spartan has a number of uh, mutual funds and hedge funds, and uh, the MM Fund has uh, it's, it's been around now 10 years, or sorry, five years. It's it's, uh, it's just past the five-year inception. It's a mutual fund that's widely available at most brokers in Canada. Um, There's a minimum of $500. very easy to buy and um, it has a wide open mandate. So um, it's it's uh, it's really about having uh, long-term returns. So we have a wide open mandate from micro cap to mega cap. Uh, just really looking for the best risk adjusted returns and opportunities in the market.
0: That's yeah, very cool. Thanks. Yeah. I was going to ask you about what wide open mandate is, but yeah, micro to, to macro like how or make, make a cap. How do you, uh, how do you figure out your sizing your portfolio and, and what allocation is or, or is it, are you more of a bottoms up manager maybe go through your, your investment process there?
1: Yeah. So like it, it's also wide open in terms of uh, sectors. So <clears throat> we're not like, I think there's a misconception because we do have small caps in the fund um, that it's, a, you know, when I meet companies, they're always, oh, you're a small cap manager. I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, we have 12% micro cap. We have 53% mid cap, which is less than a billion. So, hmm. um, so really, that's our sweet spot less than a billion. But, you know, we also have mega cap. So, <clears throat> we're really just looking for uh, opportunities out there. So, and, and we're sector agnostic. So, um, you know, we do technology, we do energy, we do green. Uh, what, really, wherever we think uh, companies are undervalued, and um, and and they have um, uh, you know good things happening that will surface that value. So, um, so our our process is really just uh, mm-hmm. like I've been a i have been uh, I was a strategist before this and a, a quant and always investing in, in companies. So, um, really, just looking for opportunities in the market. I know a lot of companies out there, I, you get a sense for when, you know, one of our, one of the themes that we, we like to invest in is, is turnarounds. That's, that's mm. uh, something that we've done very well in over time, but we also have growth. Uh, we also take, make sector bets. Like um, we've started investing in gold. That was a new kind of theme for us around COVID. We can talk about that later, but um, uh, so it's really a combination of, of the three. Um, and um and then it's 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 we it's also a core and more fund. So the core is dividend investing, companies that have dividends and grow the dividends, and and those are more long term holds. And and then the more side of the fund is that's uh, more speculative stocks. Uh, that's a lot of the microcaps are in that that um, area. So those would be funds that you know we we like, but. If, if Say, if they go up double or triple, uh, we, we might exit those, whereas the core side with the dividend payers, those are more long-term holds, and we have positions, mm-hmm. you know, we have held three, four years.
0: Not nice. And so uh, we've had Gary Osterich on and a few other uh, funds that are on the Spartan platform. I think there's 14 or so now. Uh, yeah. So, and they've, they've got everything from, like, life settles to, you know... Um, Longshore, it's option-based stuff. So is yours again? It's like it's it's is a mutual fund structure, I guess. It's all public securities, no privates. And uh, after that, maybe let us know how you access gold. Do you use like GLD, or do you, do you do commodity futures or something like that, or is it is it more more basic?
1: Yeah. So our our, our fund is pretty plain Manila. Uh, the only um, only thing is we do we do have privates, but small small percentages. Mm-hmm. Um, And, uh, and, and, uh, but it's all, except for that, it's all publicly listed securities. We don't go short. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't have options. Um, So we, uh, in terms of gold, when I say, you know, we invest in gold, we invest in gold companies. So we invest in four gold and silver companies um, because we think there's more leverage there. So, um, and, and, you know, every time we look at a position, it's, it's, you're balancing So on the more side, those are the part of the speculative part of the portfolio. That's that's where we're looking for doubles and triples and home runs, right? So, and the core side of it, where we're collecting a dividend and you know just hope maybe the dividend increases over time. That's where we're happy with you know five, six, seven percent returns plus some capital gains. And we we like to have the two two parts of the portfolio because. Because you know some of these if you're, if you're all small caps uh, you, we, we all know it's very you know volatile and you can you can have a long long period in the desert where returns are you know very negative oh, yeah. and so so we like to study returns that we get from you know the core side the dividend investing side, but we we, we use the um, the more side this the speculative the small cap the growth the technology. You know the theme-based investments really to add some alpha to the
0: portfolio. Cool. And one more question is, uh, how many positions do you have on now, or generally? Uh, we
1: have about uh, thirty-five.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Well, let's go to Philip and uh, hear what's happening at the Investment Partners Fund uh, and then your your strategy. And uh, now you guys, you can, you can contrast as much as you like to the, the MM fund and uh, and the number of positions you might have there as well. Well, first, just from a high level perspective, we're a uh,
2: a hedged hedged equity fund, just trying to grind out an absolute uh, an absolute return. And we do that really. There's there's effectively two portfolios. There's a what we call a core portfolio, which is a long equity book, where we're trying to just uh, invest for the long term. And we can get into the detail of of how we construct that in a moment.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: then in parallel, there is a an options portfolio uh which is a, a limited risk long vol portfolio that is there to uh take the edge off if you will truncate the uncertainty and mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, we refer to driving with the seatbelt and and the uh the hedge portfolio is the seatbelt so that uh right. if we get to, if the market gets in a wreck uh we might have a few uh, scrapes and bruises but uh, god willing we don't uh break any bones
0: yeah and I guess yeah, you have belts so you won't be thrown out of the car too. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. <laughs> so how do how do you how do you how do you structure your options uh, book? There is it? They say long vol, um, an airbag, or 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 seatbelt. So I guess it's you just you buying puts, or is it like a collar or something like that? Or how do you? What's your payoff uh, profile of that?
2: Well, the way to think about it is um, I look at it very much on a portfolio basis, so it's not about any one individual option or structure that I put on and mm-hmm. kind of sits there and I see what happens. It's a question of having a portfolio of options that generate a set of exposures through the, the various Greeks, the Delta, Gamma, Vega, Theta, etc., cetera, mm-hmm. uh, that fits with what I want at a given point in time, uh, given Market view, market perception, uh, my perception of market risk, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's really a, um, it's really something that is a, it's a portfolio, and it has to be viewed as sort of a, a basket of risk, which gets uh, constantly tweaked and adapted to market conditions. Um, and I am thinking about, as I said, all the all the partial risks because I'm constantly running. Sensitivities to see what happens under certain scenarios and see if I am mm-hmm. comfortable with the distribution of returns that we're facing. I'd also emphasize that, mm-hmm. well, you know, the core book is long, it's long only, and it tends to be buying old. So there is tends to be a short bias to the edge portfolio. It's not just about the short, it's about, um, about owning the volatility and about being positioned for uncertainty, accepting the premise that I can have views, but on a given day, they might not be worth a hill of beans. And I just have to be positioned for whatever's going to happen so that, you know, when the accident happens, going back to that analogy, um, it's hopefully just some scrapes and bruises and not a not a busted limb.
0: Oh, cool. Well, it's good to be self-aware and know where they're, you know, how much you can do in that. So, so I had a question on the, I guess, the structuring. So. Would you have like something like, um, like, or what portion is in the core in long equity, and how much, how much cash, or I mean, I don't know if you use a risk basis for your for your long ball for your option strategy, and then how many positions in your long is it like similar like thirty five for uh, for Ed, or is it more is it or less? Or?
2: Yeah, it tends to be around that number, or perhaps a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on you know what we're doing, but that's uh, I'd say you know thirty five and under. Um, maximum position size in the core book is uh, about five percent, though if appreciation takes it bigger than that, I'm, I'm comfortable with that, but certainly never bigger than five percent on inception of any one position, and typically much smaller. Um, and the core book consumes uh, you know can consume almost all the capital. The options book. It varies depending on on market conditions and what's just happened, but it can be as low as five percent and as high as fifteen uh, of capital, and then all the residual is available uh, for core uh, or for cash. Frequently, we'll carry a lot of cash, uh, which I also view as kind of a free option, if you will. Yeah. But uh, and it's very much a question of uh, it's. There's there's never. I should emphasize. There's never. We don't. Uh, we don't lever. There's obviously inherently leverage. In the options portfolio, uh, but the we never deploy more capital than we uh, than we have, and so and because the options portfolio is a is a long vol limited risk uh, portfolio, there's never any risk of that stinging us, except for uh, loss of loss of premium.
0: Cool. Well, let's stay on the risk thing. So, how about scenarios? Did you uh, did you model COVID back in February and knew this was all going to happen like this, or how did you? uh... In my dreams, how, James. How was dreams. that? How was that story?
2: Uh, well, the story, the story worked out uh, mercifully, worked out uh, just fine for us. Um, but again, it was more uh, a function of being positioned for uncertainty than it was a function of uh, knowing what the devil was going to happen. Uh, that being said, we'd had—I mean, if you wind back the clock. Um, 2019 was, uh, I should actually take a step back. So we invest in North American listed securities and only use listed uh, derivatives. Um, So you look at the TSX and the S&P, they both had very good runs in 2019 and they started off uh, 2020 with a bang. So by the end of Jan, beginning of Feb, uh, we were looking pretty overbought. And so that's an environment in which we will tighten up our edges. Uh, So we were fairly tightly hedged uh, In uh, in February, and then the other thing that happened was, uh, you know, you saw this thing. Uh, I certainly, I had no clue what was going to happen, but you saw it was going mm-hmm. on in China, and then you saw it pop up in Iran. And next thing you know, it was in Italy and in Spain. Oh, right, I forgot about Iran. Yeah, <laughs> it didn't take a genius to see that. You know, the risk of it hitting North America. Uh, was continuously increasing and so that was also an environment which at the margin you know we amped up our edges a little bit um, uh but you know it was precautionary as opposed to you know genuinely understanding what the hell was going to happen had I known the market was going to go down you know 35% it would have been obviously uh, even more aggressive but uh but it was a situation which uh you know on the uncertainty principle that uh we were uh, we were in, mm-hmm. in reasonable shape for it
0: well, it's going to be long vol versus I know some some investors were short vol at that time and just got their handed to them. So, yeah, it's uh, you can always be you can be prudent in your risk taking. The thing about long vol is it
2: um, uh, you know it hurts you when you're wrong on it. It tends to hurt you slowly. So, uh, you know, the worst thing for a strategy like this, which has mm-hmm. some embedded long vol, is a Continuously ascending market, which grinds higher uh, in an uninteresting way, day after day, week after week, month after month. Um, and in that sort of situation, uh, long ball is uh, is horrible, and uh, it, you know you bleed. Uh, but it's kind of you know I take the view it's kind of like uh, insuring your your house. You write a check every year, and it is what it is. But uh, that's the price we pay for. Uh, then you know. Having frankly no fear in market shocks.
0: I see, I see. And how about see you, Ed? Like, uh, I guess being long only, you probably like grinding higher markets where you can just have stuff appreciate. Maybe you're, you say you're more of your core and more uh, pops uh, pops a lot more. Um, but how do you how do you manage the downdrafts? So and maybe uh, how did you how did you work through the uh, the COVID times here?
1: Yeah. So we uh, unfortunately we don't as a long only fund uh, we don't have the suite of tools that Philippe has. To work its disposal so we try and look look for stocks that are, are counter correlated to to the rest of our portfolio or negatively correlated so in terms of the covid we went through our whole portfolio and said you know what what kind of companies can survive in this kind of environment with with lack of mobility and shutdowns and and a recession and so we, we made a lot of tough decisions we sold out of a lot of stocks um, the, you know, the, our fund, you know, like we said, we don't have the ability to protect ourselves with on long ball. Um, our fund was down severely in March. And so we repositioned we for uh, we basically put things in four buckets. Right. So we said um, we've always had bonds in the portfolio. So we had about 10 percent bonds, corporates that we thought were fairly strong when the Fed started cutting rates and printing money, we said gold is going to benefit. So we put on our gold position first time in the five years since inception that we put on gold. So we put about a 13% gold. Then we p- constructed something we called uh, a COVID portfolio. So that is really uh, healthcare stocks that provide solutions, maybe respirators or, you know, something like uh, some of the big name pharma companies that are, that are working on on uh, healthcare responses to this. And also, uh, like I I, I talked about mega capsule, like an Alibaba, that's similar to an Amazon and provides at home services, uh, some online gambling stocks. Uh, So those would all be part of the COVID portfolio. And then we said, and and we were quite wrong on this, We, we thought, you know, if everyone locks down for a month, uh, we thought, okay, the virus will disappear because it naturally has one. If it doesn't find a host, it's going to disappear, right?
0: Yeah, I hit dead ends. Yeah, exactly.
1: And so we thought, and then the summer, it's going to get better. So um, and that that was partially right for Canada, not for the U.S. because they didn't take the measures quite as seriously. Yeah. Um, but we yeah. said it's it's going to disappear, and we should think about reopening. So we <clears throat> we said we want an early reopening portfolio. So um, so that was things like. Um, Fast food, you know, even even during the lockdowns, they were down like something like an A and W was down, I think, sixty percent, forty percent. Oh wow! And now oh, yeah. down ten percent in terms of, you know, their sales. But but that's what we call early reopening. So these are these are companies that they're 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 doing pretty good now. It's not like a full service restaurant where they're you know down to ten percent or twenty percent. But as things reopen, they're going to get back to where they were a year ago, right? So. Um, so that's our early reopening, and that would include things like uh, like gas stations, like pipelines, you know, energy coming back. More and more people are driving. Things like copper, because um, what we've realized is, with services shut down, it, this this economy is all about things. It's a thing economy. So people they can't go they can't go on vacations. They can't go to restaurants. They can't spend a lot of money in the bar. But they're buying a snowmobile or they're buying a car or they're renovating their house. Oh,
0: yeah. Weird. You're right, snowmobile. That's a good that's a good point. Uh so how about over to you, Philip? You you know you had uh, you've had the portfolio going over the, the COVID times for the last 10 months or so. Um how are you positioned now for this? And what are, what are your ideas for the next uh, for the next twelve to eighteen months uh, in your portfolio? Is it uh, you know, risk on, risk off, or risk waiting for something to happen? So um I get guess I'd first emphasize again, uh, kind of
2: operate on the principle that uh, I uh, I know nothing or that there's, there's, you know, there's certainty out there, also known as paranoia, uh, but um, uh, sort of accepting that at face value, we continue to have, um, uh, you know, be reasonably well hedged here, but we're also, you know, 70, north of 70% deployed in terms of uh, our core portfolio. Uh, you know, so we're trying to. The key for us is trying to participate, recognizing that you know we have the drag from the long ball side. But then, if something unfortunate happens, uh, God willing, we we don't get uh, we get to don't get too wrecked by it. So right now, um, you know, look if you'd have told me in uh, March that the SE would be where it is right now, I would have said you were nuts. And here mm-hmm. we are, uh, which is again, you know, perfect illustration of the fact that we don't know where this thing is going to go. That being said, um you know, taking a bigger picture view, but the reason we're staying pretty well hedged up mm-hmm. here is um we've had a huge run. We are looking at very stretched sentiment. Uh and I would take the view that the time to be bullish was in March and April. Uh now is more a time to be more cautious given pricing, given sentiment. And you know, putting on my, my macroeconomic hat here, uh, the financial markets have done extraordinarily well. Financial conditions are uh, as good as they've ever been, uh, but you've also got a mm-hmm. local economy, a small business economy, which is suffering terribly. And uh, and then you've got, you know, the fiscal pump trying to, to relieve that and, and see us through this. I'm not smart enough to know how that plays out, but I would take a step back and say, you know, I think risk is higher than perhaps the market is uh, acknowledging right now. It's great news we've got this vaccine, but I think a rational analysis of it is mm-hmm. it's going to take a while till it, trick- it trickles down to the likes of, of me. And uh, so it's a long time till till we get insulated by a full deployment of the vaccine. And there could be a lot of economic damage by the time we get there. Um, so I'm 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 cautious, and uh, you know, just continuing to keep ourselves well hedged and uh, well, you know, carefully deploying on our long side.
0: Yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's a lot in there. Wow. Uh, there there's this kind of a K shaped economy where you have um, like the larger shops, like Amazon's, are not doing extremely well still. But then, like local local restaurants and that are. Or, places where people generally meet, like if they don't have thousands of locations of that and don't do a lot of delivery then they're kind of that's toast man like a lot of these places are just going out of business you see it every day um and then like you say this this mmt the modern monetary theory that i actually don't mind like if they're kind of printing money and blowing it on people to make sure they have some sort of living wage so they can you know pay rent and not get to the helpless sort of stage that becomes like the zombie apocalypse but Eventually, there will be inflation. We didn't see it though; it was weird. Like in, the, you know, in the Great Financial Crisis, we always thought everyone went to gold because, yeah, of course, inflation is going to go up, so you're going to have to have your money in gold. And of course, you know, bitcoin, bitcoin came out of that too, and it's having a resurgence. But you know what? You haven't really had it had it happen. But you and in the interim, you can't really fight the tape because everything just keeps going up. The the stock markets are doing relatively well, so. Um. We interesting to see what happens with the vaccines because it'll take a while to roll out. I think it's like you're you're right. People like you and me, and yeah, you know everybody on this call, maybe are already listening, it'll be June, July, August, September. Uh, some provinces are saying September for for normal folk that aren't uh, high risk or you know thank God not high risk or or not uh, not uh, you know in healthcare. So and then there's strains coming on the UK. So. There's a lot going on, so it makes probably makes sense to have those those options available to you with your uh, your portfolio. Eh? Yeah, well, we're just trying to again just
2: accept that there's a lot of uncertainty. I do think though what we're beginning to see, and we've been seeing for the last uh, say four to eight weeks, is a looks to be a a secular change in the texture of the market where growth mm. might be peaking. And value uh, might be perking its head up finally after uh, after ten years in the wilderness. So yeah, I love that. yeah, there's going to be there's going to be 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 certainly be places to to make money, but that might be the the rotation within the market and markets might be a bigger story than uh, than what happens in the indices.
0: Right. And so, how about uh, maybe just one more for you here, uh, Philip? Is, is so you've got a, a good chunk in your core core portfolio. How do you how do you make it make enough money to pay pay off the uh, you know your your volatility hedge and also deliver to to investors like it's at, uh How do you find you know basically you got you got to pay this few percent as well? So um, well, there's two I guess there's two aspects
2: to that. One is to try to minimize the drag in the in the hedge book um so that's why mm-hmm. you know i uh, that hedge book gets managed very actively constantly getting tweaked and rolled and things getting spread around constantly trying to minimize the uh the drag um then on the on the long side i liked uh, eds uh core and more description which i think uh is is something that broadly applies to what we're doing here so we have some large mm-hmm. new chip uh that Will probably hold for a very long time, and will hopefully uh, grind along and, and do reasonably well uh, over the longer term. Uh, but then there's smaller—I well, wouldn't say so small—but there's, uh, there's there's thematic allocations that we make where we're looking to try to make multiples. Uh, you know, as a small shop, it's unreasonable to think that. I'm going to be able to uh, out-research the thousands of others of much people that, that do this. But what I think one can do is one can try to identify themes where if you get in on a theme where you're swimming with the current uh, and you choose well within that theme in terms of companies within the theme, that ideally you can get... Uh, Superior returns in in those allocations, so that's what we try to do. So uh, Ed had mentioned earlier, gold. Uh, we've been uh, pretty committed to gold miners for for some time. That's worked out well. Uh, another theme is, uh, you know, with electrification, mm. copper uh, is a theme that we played early and aggressively. Uh, there's just not enough copper in the world. If uh, if what's priced into Tesla stock is is right about what's happening about uh, with electrification of, of transportation, there ain't enough copper, and uh, and so uh, that's a theme we've played. Um, uh, cannabis industry in the United States, which is going gangbusters and is changing very very quickly, and is very very quickly going to turn into a mainstream consumer packaged good. Uh, that's another theme that we've played. So we, we try to find uh, themes that will provide super normal returns uh, to kind of be the more and complement the core, which is a bit more annoying, mm-hmm. Um so that on net uh, we have enough juice there to, uh, to, to pay the bills. And again,
0: keep the drag.
2: We need to try to keep the drag in the hedge book as well as possible.
0: Very cool. How about you, Ed? Like. Uh... Like Philip was saying, maybe maybe values back, and uh, I know you're you're doing. Um, I think you have the, the idea of a catalyst as well. Like how how are you really finding finding the value here?
1: Yeah, so I, lo- I like what Philip said about you know as a, as a smaller Canadian shop, you got to pick your spots where you, you think you can add some value. The smaller companies that we follow, um, I can pick up the phone and or, or send an email, and and I get answers and you know really understand the business, and so that's that's where we pick our spots. Um, in terms of macro, I, I'm, I'm in agreement. Like uh, gold is a theme, copper. I think I'm probably later to it than Philip, but uh, certainly in the last couple of months we put on some copper positions. And um, like to me, I, I don't have the hedge book, so I'm looking for where the risk reward is most beneficial. So to me, it's the reopening stocks because we know we're going to reopen. Now we can debate it. It's just a matter of. Uh, time I'm, I'm a little more optimistic than you guys I think as we get into the spring I think we're going to really see it drop off pretty, pretty dramatically and the reopening will be on and so we, we think the reopening is the best in terms of um, is the easiest theme to play right now um, because you know we have stocks that are still down 30 40 percent from where they were in January so we say well when they reopen we, we think they'll get back to where they were um, in terms of business conditions and that's a pretty low risks, you know, theme to us. Um, and now we're, we've we've had some big gains in some of the smaller stocks that are more theme related technology, et cetera. And, to, to, you know, to, to me, that's more, that's higher risk. Like we've done well there, but but um, I'd rather have the, you know, the, the more sure 20, 30% than chase doubles and triples that I think are, is more speculative. So and and you know i think also you know we refer to is 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 this um a change to value like to me i think that question mm-hmm. right now that and it's too early to say for sure but you know we're, we're starting to think about what's the theme for the next 10 years and is it's very unlikely to be the theme of the last 10 years which was technology and so for the last 10 years like certain i'll speak for my fun, but. There was really no reason for MM Fund to be around because uh, anyone could have just bought the fangs and be done with it. And don't why take the illiquidity risk of of some of the stuff I'm playing, right? But um, to, mm. to me, I think you know, there's a good chance that this pandemic is kind of an exclamation mark on the fangs, right? Where everyone's at home, everyone's watching Netflix, everyone's using Amazon. It, it couldn't get any better for these companies, right? Just like in 2000 with Y2K. That was the exclamation mark on the technology of the 90s, right? Where people had to spend to, for the Y2K problem, and then that kind of disappeared. And then, as you got into 2000, you saw year over year the the, the growth wasn't there. And I think as you get into 2021, you're going to see, you know, for, whether it be Apple or Netflix, all of a sudden they're going to they're not going to show the growth that they saw in 20 with the, with the um, with the pandemic. So really that's what we're looking for for the next like for we're playing reopening now and then looking for new themes mm-hmm. as we get into the year.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. The reopening God, I haven't even really thought about it. We kind of figured out all this next year is going to be digital, but uh, at some point people got to come out of it. Everyone's trying to figure out what's, what's going to happen here and how does it affect the uh, the portfolio? So tell me, my, usually my parting question is what's your advice for investors over the next 12 to 18 months, but both of you have already kind of done that. So maybe we'll, we'll stick with Ed here for this and, and say like, is there something that you're watching, that um, you know, whether it's the opening timeline or something else that that might occur, some sort of catalyst that you would you would get into that that sector, uh, uh, or or that maybe not a particular stock that's a little bit too too exact, but a sector or or an area that you're that you're uh, you're keenly watching and saying, okay, if this happens, bang, I'm into this thing. Whether it might, I don't know, it might be hotels, might be airplanes, might be or airlines might be uh insurers or whatever it might be is there anything on your uh your radar there ed
1: well yeah uh, two things so as as i said i'm you know we're all in on the reopening and and by that the early reopening so that's fast food things like that so as if my if i'm correct Mm -hmm. then as we get into 2021 i'm going to be looking for the late reopening so that might be like you said airlines hotels cruise lines things like that so as, as I see, as I get confidence in my re- reopening theme, uh, I'll look for the late reopening and see if there's still opportunities there. Now, I, I think that's a tougher theme almost because um, a lot of people are already playing that. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit shocked because airlines are still losing a lot of money and cruise lines aren't. They're all, you know, no one's cruising, so they're losing a ton of money. So yeah. in restaurants are, you know, losing a ton of money too, like the ones that, you know, the, except for the fast food. So, but I'd look for opportunities there. And then, like we talked about, what, what's really the theme for the next 10 years? That's really what's on my radar screen. And, yeah, I mean, there's so many cross currents with, you know, as the pandemic, as we reopen, how's that going to play out? But then, you know, what about global growth? What about China? What about commodities? Which it's been kind of a, a bad 10 years for commodities, but if with the emphasis on things, with the lack of investment, that might be an area. So we're really looking for the theme for the next 10 years. And so because these are long-term th- uh, themes, um, you know, I don't have to come up with it now, but I, I have an open mind and I, I love discussions like this with Philip and uh, Jane and yourself uh, to really, you know, talk ideas and... and you know, get smart people together and talk about things. And, and, you know, I think as, as we get into the next decade, we'll, we'll, things will become more clear in terms of where we're going for the next 10 years, but it's certainly a tumultuous time now. So it's really too early to make those big calls.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. How about do you, Philip, Uh, for your, uh, like, do you have anything on the kind of the high Twitch there where you're ready to pull the trigger? Uh, I guess you can use either options or, uh, I guess your core portfolio is is you know long only equity, so you're gonna you're having this stuff longer. But is there any kind of industries that you're really uh, really eyeing right now? Well, I mentioned a couple of themes that we're, uh, we're in presently, and
2: um, yeah, you know, I, I I agree with Ed that that uh, inevitably the next ten years are going to be different uh, different leadership, and uh, you know, we're all spending probably a lot of time, too much time, trying to figure that out. But I think. Um, it's worth my general takeaway would be it's worth looking away from the fang because uh they are uh very expensive and very big and you know they can't the the arithmetic doesn't work for them to keep growing right they they take over the world so um it's worth spending time thinking about uh, about other themes that, that are going to crop up, and and I mm-hmm. don't have any beyond the ones I've mentioned, but I'm certainly you know considering them. I'd say though, what I do you know to take a step back, what I do think about is, uh, I think a large part of the reason that we're here is liquidity um, and low interest rates, and you know it seems with each passing year that becomes more consequential to the fate of the uh, of the markets and you know we've just come through now a period and or in the middle of a period of 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 massive monetary and fiscal intervention uh i i'm really interested to see how this unfolds because uh, is is you know with fixed income being where it is for example uh it's increasingly that's a really challenging asset allocation And that has huge implications for how investors are going to deploy their money. So I think about sort of the second order effects of that and what is that going to imply in terms of the types of things Mm -hmm. that people look at in the equity markets. Um, So I I take a bit more of a top down view right now in terms of of a hair trigger response. I'm really attuned to what the implications are of of these extreme uh, fiscal and monetary practices.
0: Right on. Thanks. Well, as Ed said, it's great to get uh, three minds together. Uh, he said smart minds, but I don't know. I'm just I'm just uh, asking the questions here. But uh, you know, thanks thanks guys uh, for your time here, uh, for being on this call, and uh, we we'll look forward to having you both on uh, another podcast again uh, sometime soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure.